and I don't mean to be putting a 4,000 pound block of pressure on ECI, but I think that it's a huge, huge opportunity to build trust between families and systems. What I think is so precious about early childhood is that we really do get to focus on what the families want. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm not Emily Coleman. I'm Kate Borg, the Outreach Director here at TSBVI. Don't worry, I'm just here as a guest host, and Emily will be back soon. Today we get to meet the Early Childhood Team in the Outreach Department here at TSBVI. Mary Shore, Deanna Peterson, and Kathy Garza. In this episode, we learn about Early Childhood Intervention, or ECI, and why it's so vital to young children who are blind, visually impaired, or deafblind, and their families. Uh, my name is Mary Shore, and I am the Early Childhood Orientation and Mobility Consultant in Outreach. And so I provide support and uh, training um, to families and students and children and um, their teams uh, birth uh, through age about five. I have another role in outreach, which focuses on VI and O&M personnel preparation. And so after this podcast or at any time, if if someone is interested in learning more about uh, becoming certified to work with children in Texas, um, I can certainly help you uh, navigate that. We have two wonderful uh, university personnel preparations in Texas that are available, and I would certainly help um, anyone navigate that, that process. My name is Deanna Peterson. I am the early childhood consultant on the DeafBlind team. I have been a teacher of DeafBlind for uh, 20 years at Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. I'm really excited to be on the on the DeafBlind project now and I work with families and uh, schools uh, of children who are birth to five Hi, I'm Kathy Garza, and I am serving as the VI Educational Consultant for Early Childhood on, as I said, on the VI team. So working with families and children who are in the birth to five range as well and have visual impairments and or additional disabilities as well. Previously, I've been a teacher of students with visual impairments at Texas School for the Blind. This is my 12th year and I've worked in a classroom setting and also um, in short-term programs. And last year I was the family engagement coordinator in outreach. And so although I'm transitioning out of that position and into this new position, I'm really excited because the early childhood position still focuses a lot, is very family-centered, and I'm really excited that I'm not really having to give that up. And that's a great point, Kathy, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, that family focus, because that's so important as we're talking about early childhood and early intervention. And so I think the first question that I want to ask you guys is, when we're talking about young children, infants and toddlers especially, What is early intervention and why is it so important for children who are blind, visually impaired, or deafblind? I'll take a stab at that. I think early childhood intervention is so important for um, specifically for children who are deafblind because 
when you think about how children, how uh, infants and toddlers and young children who have typical vision and hearing, how they learn, they learn really effortlessly through sensory exploration, movement, incidental learning, just watching and listening to what's happening around them. We know that's how they learn. That's how that's that's just what they do. And for children who are deaf blind, they have a very different learning style, very unique. Some of the common effects of deaf blindness are that it's it's difficult to gather information. Information can be distorted, incomplete, fragmented. As early as we can get in there and um, provide information about the learning style, um, that we are setting children up to 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 have a strong foundation. Yeah, and this is Kathy. I think all of what Deanna said is is absolutely true. And um, you know, early intervention as we know, you know, very simply is a, it's a state and federally funded program through IDEA. And what it, what it does is it allows through, through various agencies, children in the birth to five range who are suspected of having any types of um, delays or, or, you know, impairments or disabilities, as you will, um, either vision or vision and or hearing other multiple disabilities, speech difficulties, OT or PT needs can be evaluated by professionals, can work with these agencies and to help them get in contact or to help them be evaluated and provided eligibility for services and supports to address all of the things that Deanna was just talking about, you know, all of the things that don't happen incidentally. You know, I think back to earlier early childhood um, courses that I've taken and thinking about how so much of the child's brain is wired for learning by age five. You know, it just makes me think that um, it's so important to to maximize that time. And with the support of early intervention specialists, we can, you know, hope to help our students kind of stay on par with their peers. They're typically cited or typically performing peers. This is Mary, and I would I would echo everything that Deanna and Kathy have said. So early intervention is um, it's really just a term to use to describe the services and supports that are available to babies and young children uh, with developmental delays and disabilities and their families. And um, in Texas, their services are provided um, through ECA, excuse me, ECI programs. But when we're thinking about um, VI services, um, the local school districts are charged um, with providing those instructional services. Um, so you're, we're teaming with the ECI agency essentially. And um, but uh, want, want to point out that those are VI services and OM services are provided at no cost to the families. All of you in you know in, in explaining early event intervention, all of you have mentioned families. Will you talk for a minute about how these services are family driven? I think one of the most exciting things about ECI um, that's that's a little different than what happens with school age children is that the focus is on families, um, looking at what are the family's priorities, 
what are their needs, what are their concerns, what are their interests. Um, it's, it's a total focus on the family and um, different from what happens in, in the school setting with an IEP, the IFSP, the Individual Family Service Plan, it puts a structure to, to all of those needs, priorities, interests, strengths that are, that are happening with, um, with the families. And the services are delivered in familiar settings for that child in the home and such a, it's just such a strange time that we're in and the country is looking to ECI as a model for how to help bridge this um, virtual learning with uh, the, the elements that ECI uses of coaching with families. And I think that will bring to the forefront a deeper collaboration with families where uh, first and foremost, we are looking at um, what does that family need and want and how can we as educators support them and um, understand that they know their child best and we have a lot to, to learn from them. It, it will only make our instruction better in the classroom when they come back and it's just, a, I think it's a really exciting time. And I love what, this is Kathy, I love what you said, Deanna, about what the families want, because I think that that's really important. And obviously, I, as a, you know, as a former classroom teacher, I understand that all of those core content areas are really important. Um, and, and, you know, evaluating students' understanding of, of core subjects and, and the Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills. But I think, what I think is so precious about early childhood is that we really do get to focus on what the families want. And um, if it's really important to you as a mommy that your child um, directs their attention to you when you come into the room or, or that they say your name or that they um, play with you in a certain way, then those are all things that that early childhood intervention can can support and finding ways that um, that that child can do that, whether it's through using sign or through um, training, helping to train the child to turn their head towards certain sounds or voices, all of those things um, that are so, I think, important and meaningful um, for families to feel connected to their children that sometimes are challenging for kiddos with visual impairments, hearing impairments and other disabilities, you know, so I just think that that's a really special thing about how ECI connects to families and working on what's really meaningful and important to the family. Or maybe it's, you know, that the child get themselves a snack because anybody with young children know that about 400 times a day, you're being asked to open a package or get a snack. And so what are some ways that we can support independence and in, in children getting their own snack or opening their own snack or maybe just indicating that they want a snack, you know, so I think it's just really um, That's the part about ECI and families that I think is really cool It's just in my limited experience. It's just that um, It is really family. The goals are really family driven. 
I also love that, you know, having, um, I've, I've shared on previous episodes of the podcast that, that my mom, this is her area, um, as well. She, she works in Utah, um, in early intervention services for children who are, are blind and visually impaired. And, um, you know, that's the thing that she often talks about is just that, that love to make those connections with the families and to help families make connections with their child. Um, you know, it's, 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 often just a, a big scary thing and parents and families have these question marks what do we do and so to have these early intervention services and like you all have talked about that that helps to to bridge those connections and and just helps a family feel equipped um to to raise a child and 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 have that child be successful in whatever it is that they decide to do um i love that as well you know, Kate, one more thing I think about that is that I also think that, um, and I don't mean to be putting a 4,000 pound block of pressure on ECI, but I think that it's a huge, huge opportunity um, to build trust between families and, and kind of, I'll, I'll do my air quotes, systems, you know, and I think that um, when going back to thinking about like family engagement and that confiance that trust that we're trying to build um, between families sometimes you know sometimes it's the first it's their first opportunity to kind of build that trust in a in a system or a school system type scenario and I think that that's really important too you know that families can really um, benefit from having positive experiences with ECI not only for their child's development but for their development as as a family on this journey with their child and with personnel and and evaluations and um, recommendations and all of those you know kind of formal things that go along with special education services right and, and this is Mary and I, I agree with with all of that too and then just to um, talk a little bit more about how um, this can at first be maybe a, an overwhelming experience having service providers coming into their home um, and things like that. But um, just pointing out that we really want to initially start with routines that are already occurring in the home, you know, so thinking specifically about um, orientation and mobility, you know, if we can find out what a meal routine looks like, what their bath time routine looks like, or maybe they don't have one, you know, what is, what is their morning routine like, you know, they're getting dressed uh, when ready for the day, what does that look like, and then those are, those are times where um, I know in them, Specialists can come in and help a family um, understand and provide some strategies for, um, you know, integrating some maybe uh, working on spatial relationships, body concepts, and, and things like that into routines that are happening already. And if they're not, you know, helping family um, get their started. How do families access these early intervention services? A family can reach out to um, one of the ECI programs um, in their area, and you can find um, one that is near you by going to um, the Health and Human Services website, um, and there's an ECI program search there. Um, so you can enter your zip code and um, the programs in your area will come up with the contact information. You can also call one of us and we'll help you with that process. We'll help you find your local um, ECI program. Any of us would be happy to, to help you with that. 
we also want to emphasize that anyone can make a referral to ECI. It, um, it can be a family member, it can be um, anybody who knows that child and has concerns. We encourage families and ECI encourages families not to take a wait and see approach, but to go ahead and make that referral so that we can get involved and the and ECI can get involved to help that child continue um, to maximize the use of their vision and hearing and re really be able to access the information around them in a, in a meaningful way. Science is now proving to us that social, emotional health um, and what we call serve and return is uh, impacting brain development. And for our children who are deafblind, um, specifically, how do we, with or without formal language, how do we set up this back and forth um, interaction? When we think about typical children, um, young children, if they, um, they might stick their tongues out or they might blow a raspberry and our undivided attention is on them and it's natural for us to stick our tongue out or blow a raspberry back at them. They can see our expression. They can see us smiling. They can, they know that we're interested and that is essential in uh, making connections and uh, starting this foundation of learning. As we look at the data, one of the responsibilities in the outreach department is we look at all of the data and through what we call the VI registry. Um, and this gives us a, a snapshot of what's happening statewide. And one of the patterns that we've seen is that um, we, we are finding a, a smaller percentage of children uh, birth to two or birth to three. And then we're seeing a huge increase in the number of students that are referred to us when they go to kindergarten. And so what we're seeing is that, that we're, we're missing kids in those earliest and, and most vital years. Um, can you talk just a minute um, and just reiterate the importance that, that we're finding those students through what we call child find? Looking at our deaf-blind child count information from 2020, um, 800 and, what is it, Kate? 820, 820 children, birth to 22, were uh, identified as being deaf-blind. And um, 40 of that 180 students are birth to two years of age. It jumps at three years, three to five years, to um, 109. So how are we um, missing those young, young children? And what, what can we do to, um, to better identify um, and find those kids so that we can um, make sure that they start receiving services. Yeah, and, and as far as the, the VI numbers go, um, 429 children are identified as being visually impaired in Texas, um, birth through age two. And then just as Deanna mentioned about um, the children with, who are deafblind, um, the numbers jump 
when you when you get to um, age three through five to over a thousand. So uh, we're we're missing a lot of kids, and so really want to um, educate uh, families on maybe some red flags or some things to look for. Is their child possibly having a visual impairment? Um, things related to orientation and mobility specifically, like maybe, uh, for instance, a parent is noticing that their child isn't reaching for things um, when they should be. We can educate um, families on, on things to look for. I, I think that um, that's an important step. As an O&M specialist, I want to just reiterate and point out that a child does not need to be walking before they have an O&M evaluation. Um, an O&M specialist can come in much earlier and provide um, support and strategies for the families. I also wanted to add that we are hoping to partner more with personnel prep programs as well as the medical community so that um, that they can help identify uh, children who may need services and staff can come in, service providers can come in um, with specialized skills and, and knowledge to address the, the unique learning style of children who are um, deafblind. What people are sometimes unaware of is that children who have a very mild vision loss, a very um, mild hearing loss, that they, might, they may need these strategies as well. And even if a child has a vision loss and a suspected hearing loss, it's important to identify that they may need help from staff who have that specialized training and skills to work with their family. This is Kathy. Um, I, I feel like I'm constantly piggybacking off of what Deanna is saying, but I, I think that that is um, something that I've been thinking about as well and that I have thought a lot about. And it's also very near and dear to me, I guess, because I myself have low vision, but thinking about what Deanna was saying regarding um, kids with mild vision loss and mild hearing loss and or and I think too for kiddos with low vision who maybe are not missing those milestones but have a diagnosed visual impairment I think it's essential as well to to pursue that identification and those ECI services for for concept development how does outreach fit into all of this? What is the role of outreach and early intervention? In outreach, we can provide support in, in many different ways. So that could either be through a, a, a formal training um, to TVIs and comms in a region, or that might be um, in a home setting, providing, providing support to the family and the child and TVI or O&M in the home setting. Um, it can also be um, just a phone call. You can call us with questions and we can support you, whether that's a, a family calling um, with questions or a TVI or, or an O&M calling, um, just, just a phone call and we can help with um, possible strategies um, for the, the students that you're working with or the child that you're working with. And so I think that um, outreach can support in a variety of ways. This is Kathy, I think it's really beneficial um, to have those things in place because like you said, Deanna, as kids get older, we're expecting more from them with less support, essentially. 
you know, and just thinking about programming for a pre-K kiddo versus a second grade kiddo or a first grade kiddo. And so when you have had the opportunity to work with professionals on uh, identifying strategies and identifying accommodations and modifications and things that are already working or things that are working, you've had that time at a young age to kind of try things out and see what works. And of course, you know, a good teacher is always, I think, is always going to be reevaluating and, and, and trying to move forward. And they're going to try some things that maybe didn't work in the past, but might work now. But when you've had that experience of seeing what works, then when the scope does start to get larger, when the demands do start to increase, and the pace and the rigor gets higher, you already have those strategies and supports in place to fall back on. Even if the child maybe wasn't using them very much before, now they can. And I think providing the families with that same support, right? You know, we talked a little bit about how just sometimes there's these question marks and what do we do, but building those relationships with the family as service providers as well um, and, and helping to, to make those habits of strategies and habits of learning and and helping and helping families understand the importance of routine and um, and just starting as as young as possible for those children um, to to just get yeah to get those strategies in place as soon as possible um, is going to set that child up and that student up for more success as they get older and older. And I, I think that that's just such a unique part of the VI field is that we have the opportunity as TVIs and orientation and mobility specialists to work with children birth through to age 22. And so when we're going into a family's home, um, working with a, a child that is three or younger, um, and we're having, we're able to especially connect with the family during that time because we're providing services so often in the home um, at that age. Um, we can, at the same time, when we're working with children that are older, we can see um, that these skills that are worked on um, at such an early age, you know, are benefiting down the road. And, you know, for that, for that third, fifth, or even that, that senior that is about to graduate from, from high school. So really, um, we are unique in our profession that we have the opportunity and are so lucky and fortunate to be able to um, to work with so closely with families um, and their and their young children as they get older as well. But just being able to get to establish those relationships when their children are so young, I think, is is so unique. You know, and this is Kathy, and I think one of the I feel like I I have to do justice to saying this, but one of the big things that I think outreach can also do um, that we early childhood folks in outreach can also do and, and partner with our family engagement people is to help families feel connected. Like I think that early, early identification, early intervention, and the supports that outreach offers and that HHSC offers really help families to connect with other people. I imagine, and just, you know, hearing even my own family talk, but I also imagine that it can be very isolating or you can feel very alone in this journey when you have all of your friends who maybe have kiddos who are not, 
not facing visual impairment and or hearing loss or, or mobility um, deficits. And so I think that it must be a really isolating place to be in. And so, you know, one of the things that, that we can do do in outreaches through our family engagement early childhood team is to help families who reach out feel connected with other families we can connect them with their family organizations and I also think that ECI doing the same thing you're connected to professionals who can answer your questions and can help take take this journey bit by bit with you and to help normalize quote air quote normalize you know a situation that maybe doesn't feel that way to you and to say that here is your network of support this is your second family that maybe you didn't even know you needed do you know an infant or toddler in texas who may have a vision problem they may qualify for free services support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. It is clear that we have excellent professionals who are passionate about supporting children and families. And it's important that services for students start as early as possible. By working with the medical community, ECI services, and families, we hope to ensure that all children who are blind, visually impaired, or deafblind receive the supports they need. For more information and resources, or to get in touch with us, go to the outreach website at tsbvi.edu outreach. We'd love to hear from you. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and Ascents of Texas, I'm Kate Borg. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.